0: In America, there's a burglary every 11 seconds, an armed robbery every 65 seconds, a violent crime every 25 seconds, a murder every 24 minutes, and 250 rapes a day. This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to PortlandDistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to PortlandDistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at PortlandDistro.com. Good day, Ralph. How are you? How's things going? Um, I'm in the uh, first
1: of all. Hi, Mike, and hi to everybody listening out there. Glad to be back here. Um, it's the I feel always when we talk. I have holidays, which is not the case. But (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I just finished my first week of the fall holidays because in German schools we have two weeks of Easter holiday. So the week before and after Easter. Then we have six weeks of summer vacation. Then the new uh, school year starts. And then uh, we have two weeks in fall. And uh, I'm uh, in the middle of it. So like this Saturday, um, the weather here is fine. I will go to see Pink Turns Blue tonight, a band that I really love. The new record is excellent. And um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of movies. And actually, I'm doing okay. That's good to hear, man. Um, yeah,
0: I'm ha- happy yeah. to hear that. Thanks. I have to thank you for turning me on to that Murder Bait record. It's uh, pretty awesome, man. I remember getting you sent me this thing. And you're like, this is something you got to listen to, and I'm I've been like, yeah. I've been going through their whole catalog actually since then. Yeah, I
1: got to give shout out to my boy Mattia of the band Abstractor from Portland. Uh, he has this label Sentient Ruin, and he's he's releasing this la- latest EP, and uh, I mean he releases a lot of quality stuff. Some some like most stuff is more technical, extreme death metal and and stuff like this. Um, it's not always my cup of tea, but he knows my taste, and he and I and it's like you also like share this love for fields of the Nephilim and Killing Joke. And now and then he sends me stuff and says like, "Dude, this is something you got to listen to." And um, I, I I listen to these tracks and I'm like blown away by how good this guy can sing and like how atmospheric this whole stuff is. So.
0: Yeah, I I um I was surprised they were American actually when I when I looked them up on Bandcamp. Yeah. And, and um yeah, it's 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 real quality stuff. And and uh, anyone out there who uh, is into like you know dark sort of rock music definitely check out Murder Bait. And uh, I, I went back and I on Bandcamp and I picked up a bunch of their stuff. And uh, it's funny, like, yeah, definitely feels of the Nephilim. Yeah. But the vocals, there's also this... Uh, do you remember a band called The Church from the 80s? Of, of course, man, yeah. Yeah, Starfish. I can hear a l- little yeah. bit of that too in there.
1: Yeah, but they're way darker and yeah. way more... more uh melancholic than, than than the church but the church were a great band uh, yeah yeah definitely dude i i just i don't know if i if i if i told you about this but have you seen the tour announcement of what will happen in the fall of next year in the states no the mission oh. will go on tour with the chameleons and theater of hate
0: oh wow billy duffy's uh former band before the cult theater yes yeah
1: dude and they will like they will do like i think 30 shows or something and i think the last one is in new york and it's it's close to halloween from what i recall oh, wow. so uh, so i i want to check out if i can make it out there by that time next year and we could go to that show or something.
0: Yeah. Oh count me in for sure man. I am 100% you know maybe next year's halloween will be a lot better than this year's halloween so so yeah, yeah. that's uh, I'm I I like the Mission a lot, man. That band was really cool from you know way back. Yeah. Yes, that's like I want to like
1: all these three bands are pretty much the essence of what I like. Why I started, uh, Ropes of Night, and uh, like it's always an inspiration to listen to the Mission. They have got such a big catalog, and every record has at least like three major hits, and they're totally underrated and I mean the guy was in Sisters of Mercy as well and uh so yeah that should be a great tour and the Chameleons I've you know like they're one of my favorite bands and I've seen them
0: like four times now and they're just always amazing life. There was an interesting thing that happened with uh some of those British bands in the 80s where um when the Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction record came out I feel like a lot of those kind of uh post punk uh you know gothic rock bands suddenly wanted to do like like heavy metal uh hard yeah, rock yeah. music you know I mean the cult who knows who knows if they took a cue from you know i don't I know that electric came out around that time and and in eighty seven uh, yeah. you know but yeah. I remember seeing um this band called Balam and the angel in uh mm-hmm. probably about eighty seven and <clears throat> it had the guitar player from the mission was playing with them. Can't remember his name. They had gone really deep into the, uh, rock and roll LA, like look, you know, like yeah. the guitar player. I had like leather pants and a cowboy hat, like no shirt. And he was like trying to rip these like pentatonic blues solos and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, some of it worked. Some of it didn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, there i I'm,
1: you know, like, I'm a, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm a guitar nerd to some degrees. Like, I don't collect guitars. I'm really pragmatic. I j- only have the guitars that are really neat for my bands. And uh, now with Ulta forever, I've been playing the, uh, the Lucille, like the, the Gibson 335 one. Right. And I had to, had to have it because Michael Girard has one. And I knew, like, if he can play it, it can go super loud. And I'm a tall guy, so I need a big guitar. So this has been, like, the Ulta guitar ever since, and I love it. And now for ropes, like it's always, I've already gone, like this band is two years old. I've already gone through five guitars, oh, wow. <laughs> like tr- trying them out, feeling, not feeling it, selling them again. And um, yeah, man, the guitar I'm totally obsessed with is Billy Duffy's Black Falcon, like the Gretsch guitar. Yeah. and And it's super expensive. You can't get, like, I can't afford it. Like, with European prices, just way too expensive. I got, like, the next best thing, which is the Chad Atkins, and I'm super happy with this now. I sold the Rickenbacker I got a while back. Um, but, like, in research for, for that, like, Billy Duffy's on Instagram, and he's active, and he's always posting pictures for Falcon Friday. And he's, like, he posted a bunch of videos, and there's also, like, interviews with him and Ian Ashbury. And there was a bit about like how they decided not to be a post-punk band anymore, that they wanted to enter the rock realm. And that's when he also changed guitars. He started playing Les Pauls and solid body guitars. And it kind of lost me at that point. Yeah. And um, I mean, he always posed like these old pictures. And if you look at them as like the cult or like the death cult, they look fucking cool. And then they turn into this glam rock band. Yeah. It's just Atrocious, and
0: most bands fumble with that. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that Electric was pretty cool, you know. Um, yeah. But they're my favorite cult material is Love, and you know the Death yeah. Cult and that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, Dreamtime, yeah. like all that stuff is their yeah. that's their strength, really.
1: Yeah, and I gotta say, like speaking of the bands transitioning from post-punk or punk to like these heavy rock bands, I gotta I've never gave you a thank you, but so many years back you posted revenge by tsol music video Mm -hmm. and i was like tsol i've always heard the name i've never known the band well i guess there was just a random punk band and then i played this video and it was like this acoustic guitar and them looking fucking cool like with their motorcycle gang kind of look and i'm like oh wow i gotta check out this record and like this record revenge and the one before that um change today today, yeah dude they're excellent and i'm like i like the old stuff with the old singer now like going back at it but it's like regular punk but these two are like perfect at what they are like this more punkish post-punk but then after that, they became a complete rock band, and I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, just not, and,
0: I have that record too. <laughs> that um, th- it's called me. like like Hit and Run or something like that, and they got teased correct, out hair, correct, and correct. and uh, it's like all right, like very like L.A. you know heavy metal late '80s kind of thing. And um, yeah. yeah, it's that record's terrible. But I, I'm partial to the Jack Grisham era, like the early like Code Blue, you know Weathered Statues. Mm which has like, it's like, to me, not as good, but similar to Samhain, where it's like, okay, it's punk, but it's like very dark and gothic sounding. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and they definitely had some very typical hardcore, like early hardcore songs. and um, But Revenge was like, man, Revenge and Change Today were, in my mind, kind of like unsung classics because uh, no one liked those records because they were just like, oh yeah, we like Jack Grisham, you know, and yeah. But yeah, that song "Revenge" and that entire album is just so—it's almost like a Gun Club record, really. It's very yes. dark, yeah, yeah. and it has this like dark American, like like kind of rockabilly vibe to it, which is so good. Yeah.
1: I remember when when uh, toured with Bonham, like that band with uh, with Kyle of Ashborough and mm-hmm. Mike of Fell Voices. And and Mike is like he's the biggest Dead Moon fan I ever met, and he's also a gigantic Cramps fan. Yeah, and he comes from he comes from like from San like uh Santa Cruz, San Diego not San he's from Santa Cruz I think, but it's okay. like West Coast West Coast punk kid like went through a hardcore punk phase, screamo phase, and then he started Fell Voices and like he's he's one of the most knowledgeable music people I know, and. Like, dude, we were on tour here, and then we drove through the Netherlands. I was driving, and he was sitting in the shotgun seat. And I'm like, dude, do you know TSOL? And he's like, yeah, I know the first record. It's okay. It's like, so you don't know the later stuff, right? And he's like, no, not really. So like, okay, so we'll drive. Everybody was asleep. It was just him and I awake. So I played Revenge. And like after every, ever, after every song, he's like, okay, pause it. I can't believe I didn't know this band. Yeah, holy fucking shit, they're so good. Okay, next one. He's like, "Why the fuck didn't I know this band?" It's like, then we listened to it and changed today back to back, and he was just like floored about how good these two records were.
0: Yeah, they're great, man. And, and you know, for me as a kid in the '80s, I really enjoyed like that sort of um, you know, you know, dark Americana, like whatever you want to call it, yeah. like rockabilly influence, punk, like uh, yeah. you know, specifically X and. um the gun club yeah. um i even listened to the blasters who were like a straight up like rockabilly group from la mm. and and that's when um revenge came out and i didn't know you know back then you just go to a record store and you're like i want to buy a tsol record and oh revenge that's the record that's there so i bought i buy yeah. it right and yeah. um yeah, it just fits so nicely within that, you know, and this is the way they looked like they had this like real LA, oh, like, you know, yeah. like Southern California thing, like with the cool hair. And one guy probably had like eyeliner on or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know that's like, an, that's a, definitely a SoCal like thing, man. Not too many dudes yeah. in New York are walking around and, with eyeliner on that go to punk shows. you know. Yeah. But, but it's, it's again, it's like, it's, sorry, go ahead. No, that's, that's all I had to say about it.
1: It's, it's it's like it's almost like in black metal where corpse paint is like on on the tip of being corny most of the time and yeah. some people just pull it off and looks great and I mean if you look at like the hair metal scene back in the eighties and look at poison and all these bands and you are like oh god but they look so close to it and they're still cool yeah and lots some, of some in the in the like in the European crust punk scene you always have like these. Sausage hair, stinky crusts, (laughs) and, uh, you know, with anti-Symax shirts and and discharge this, discharge that. But there is always these cool, like, dark punks in between them. They're also, like, rolling in this crust punk scene. They've got the straight hair and everything, but you're just like, wow, this is like the beacon of light in a pile of dirt, you know? And it's just like, I'm always jealous if people can pull this off, like, because I could have never done that.
0: Well, when I, I got in, in high school, um I I had a dark punk girlfriend and um you know, I, I kinda like dipped my toe in that in that look a little bit with the sprayed hair and everything. Yeah. I'll send you a picture of the two of us and like you oh. tell you tell me if I pulled it off. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> that was like the height of like just you know, I, I give I give uh I give this lady props, man. Like she's probably there's probably two people when I was a kid that opened me up to the most music. And she was definitely yeah. one of them who was like into stuff that I never would have listened to had I not met her, really. And, um, you know, she opened me up to like Bauhaus and Joy Division and The Cure and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, you know, we were both like really big Cramps fans. Like I have, I'm actually wearing a Cramps t shirt right now as we talk.
1: That's good for you. I just
0: played like before
1: we started this podcast, I was listening to The Cramps. And there's also again here we go with the with the guitar thing because like Poison Ivy's also playing this this big ass Gretsch hollow buddy. And like I, I kind of fucked with some stray cats the other day because yeah. I always like thought like I need to like them and now it makes sense because I'm I, I can fuck with like regular rock and roll in this kind of sense, you know. And I mean these guitars like they they come from there and they all use them. Also Kid Congo powers and when he played with the Gun Club, he also had, like, these big-ass Gretches sometimes. And I think, like, the next, um, uh, because, like, Tom, the singer in Robes of Night, when we first met and we exchanged emails, his email was Club at gmail.com. I'm oh, like, wow. Oh, so here we go. And I think, like, the next, like, rope stuff, I, we just wrote two songs that we record a seven-inch. It goes way more into that realm, and I think that's where the future of this band is also at. Yeah,
0: yeah it's funny. I play... I play... I have riffs like that, you know what I mean? And, um, actually one of the cues for the, uh, unholy passion is this thing I was working on, which is like, uh, yeah. this kind of lynching, like, yeah. uh, you know, it's... kind of dreamy, like rockabilly kind of thing. And I was it's... playing that stuff at practice the other day and drew my bass player. was like, Oh, I like that. It's like, really? Cause I, I didn't picture him as a guy who liked would like that, but he's like, yeah, I listened to a lot of that stuff, man. And I was like, Oh wow. I learned something new about drew. And, uh, Cool. Yeah, maybe we'll do a project Maybe the new Tombs record will sound like the Gun Club Or something, I don't know <laughs> Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I was when, when, you, when you first heard like the jingle you did for, for our episodes, I'm like Okay, this is like some Six bells Chime, city, Crime in the City Solution yeah. Vibe going here So, yeah
0: I'm uh, that, that that's, that's a whole other Episode, man, all those bands You know, that we yeah. should do one I, I know that you and I talked about doing a Gun Club one But we gotta to touch on all this yeah. other music, too Good. I have so many ideas. The list keeps on getting longer. It's good
1: that we have all the time and people still seem to be interested. (laughs) Yeah, Let's see what they think about when we're done with this one today. But I think we will tick a lot of right boxes with a lot of people listening.
0: So today we're talking about Sylvester Stallone. The unholy Stallone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's like... uh, the beacon of light whenever you feel darkness, you know, it's just like, I don't know, like I had the idea to talk about this when I was like feeling really down and you know, like everybody has their rituals when they're feeling down to go back up. And for me, it was never drugs. For me, it was always good food and good movies and like going back to some of these eighties and nineties, the movies is always a safe bet to feel better afterwards. And, um, I mean, I grew up here with, like, a a, um, a dubbed Sylvester Stallone having, like, a a cool voice. (laughs) And he, oddly enough, has, like, shares, in some movies, he shares the same voice as Bruce Willis, which makes it complicated watching it in German when it comes to, like, Expendables or stuff like that. Yeah. But it's just, like, his voice is the same, like... When I grew up watching Schwarzenegger and Terminator, he had, like, this really dark German voice, you know, but not, not the way he actually talks, but, like, a straight-up clear German, like, rough voice. But then I watched Terminator the first time in English. And I'm like, this is hilarious because he's, yes, I'm the Terminator, and I'm here to kill you. And so, like, how, how the fuck are Americans taking him seriously talking like this? But Stallone, he's has dude, he's got such a cool fucking voice.
0: Which, yeah. No, that, ahead, that's funny. That, that, I, guess, I guess in Europe that's an exotic voice. <laughs> like this kind of like a, Italian-American <laughs> Guido. Like, hey, yo, you know, like that. That's like, hey, uh, yo. you know, not, probably you don't hear too many of those accents over in Europe, really. No, not at all.
1: Like no Italian here talks like this. It's always like, <laughs> this is the stuff like people make fun of when they, when they watch Family Guy. Because they always make fun of this Guido kind of stereotype. But that's like actually like when I when I like took took notes for this episode, I wanted to like sneak in like the first the first question would be like, Mike, do you know the story of the chicken and the egg, which came first? Of course. And I'm like, proverb, yeah, like yeah, yeah, And like my my proverb question for this is, was there Guido's before Sylvester Stallone, or was Sylvester Stallone the first Guido?
0: <laughs> is that are you asking me this question right now No, that, that, that was like.
1: I I I thought I thought about asking it in like in all honesty, but I felt like you know, it's so so stereotypical, and we could get canceled for this. Oh, I don't so, care about um, that.
0: No one, no one's you know. Let him let yeah. him go. Let him cancel me. Who cares? No, um, but he's like he's the prototype for that. I think. I have to say that in this case, art imitates life because um, yeah. that that whole thing has existed, you know, long before Sylvester Stallone rose to prominence. You know just that yeah. that whole subculture in, in the united states you know yeah there's a rich but, culture of guidoism in the united states for sure
2: yeah
1: i mean here like italians are like they're not i mean they're not as exotic like, i think i always like when i no, it's like when i when i see american productions and the guidos they always they, they seem like super exotic in their whole behavior and their theatrics, you know. I mean, one of the first things I probably saw was the West Side Story in school. And they also have like these, you know, the Jets and the Sharks and they have like this this, this greased up hair. And um, I don't know, like I, I imagine when I saw the West Side Story the first time in English, I'm like, ah, oh, OK, so I see. But like no Italian talks like this in Germany.
0: The real irony is that Guido is actually a German name, as uh you know, like you, you pointed that out to me, but I I already knew yeah. about that because of uh, the famous yeah. Nazi uh, Guido von List. Yeah, but it's actually pronounced Guido. Ah, yeah, there you go. So okay. it's it's not that it's not that's not W and it's not Gui, so
1: it's just Guido. Yeah, and uh, um, that oh that was I remember I asked you about this It's like okay so I heard you and and Mike or my, you and Jeff and like at Necro use that word I'm like. How the fuck do you spell it? And the first thing came to mind because there's an in the in episode four, like the very first Star Wars, when when Han Solo blasts this one bounty hunter in the cantina, the green one. He's called Greedo. It's G R E E D O. Oh, yeah. So it's just like I'm like, is this like are they referring to Greedo? And it's like no. And then you wrote it. And I'm like, okay, this is the German first name Guido. So yeah,
0: <laughs> funny. So I I love all the different subtleties. Even though you and I are both speaking English, uh, you know, just the the weird colloquialisms that happen that that make things, like, unusual and peculiar, you know. Yeah, and for us here, it's always, I mean,
1: we, like, all my friends, we all grew up, I mean, English is a a foreign language to us. And we all grew up with English music. And then uh, I remember, like, when we were kids and, like, I said in my point of entry episode over at Metal Matters that the very first music thing I ever had was Bad by Michael Jackson. I think like in 98, uh, 89. Um, and it's just, just like, I remember like sit, sitting at home, listening to it and imitating the sounds that I heard. You know, like I I couldn't really like, I think like if you, when you listen to Michael Jackson when you're an American kid, you understand these words because it's the language you hear all the time. Yeah. But for me, that was, Something I didn't understand, so I imitated the sounds, and I think to this day, like a lot of people, just hear American words or English words and they don't know how to spell them, and I don't know how to actually understand what they mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. All right, man. So uh, So, you know the 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 prolific career of uh, Sylvester (laughs) Unholy Sylvester Stallone. You mean Michael
1: Sylvester Gardenzio Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> Born July 6, 1946. That fucking dude is 75 years
0: old. Still hitting the gym and doing Expendables 4 and
1: looking great at it.
0: <laughs> dude, that guy, not only is he hitting the gym, he's like jumping off of like rooftops and, and like, you know, smacking people around and stuff like that. He looks he's yeah. great, you know? Yeah, dude. So let me let me jump in with 66
1: to 32. So he's listed as main character roles or like talking roles because later on he's in a lot of animated stuff where he just lent the voice, like for example in the new Suicide Squad where, where he's the shark guy and that was awesome. Um, 66 listings as an actor and I've seen 32 of the movies.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a, a hardworking guy right there. Dude. And this is not I mean, there's
1: a lot of more stuff on there where he's not listed. The first where he's credited as an actual actor was in the party at Kitty and Studs, where he plays stud, <laughs> which is awesome. Nineteen seventy. Um yeah, it's uh there's so much good stuff, man. When I when I printed out this list, I'm like, holy shit. He had he did so many great movies. And um, Yeah, I'm I'm I like I have on my list now five movies. I need to watch and the first one is the one where he uh, Actually got his first kudos for and I bet you've known it because did you ever live in flatbush?
0: No, but uh, someone that I used to see regularly um lives lived the two two Neighborhoods over from flatbush. Yeah,
1: okay Because I I knew the name but i've never heard of the lords of flatbush.
0: You know what, man? I I have that noted here as something to to mention to you that cuz that that's that's actually a, a great movie, for sure. Dude, I I I just have you ever watched the
1: trailer? I'm like I, I dude, it's so good. I I started I actually have it open and I wanted to play it like on this episode because it's just so hilarious. <laughs> it's so so 70s. It's like Okay, what do we need to do? We need to like have a song that introduces all the things about this movie. Is it cool to play it for a minute? Yeah, go ahead. All right.
2: Hey, kids, the next song is dedicated to Butchie, Chico, Rippy, Stanley, Franny and Inn, the stars of the new movie, The Lords of Flatbush. Do, 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 do. the Lords of Flatbush is a movie. No, 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 no. About how life was in the fifties. A black leather jacket, a rumble on two
1: and girl You know. Oh yeah.
0: So that's so cool. <laughs> it's like a it's like an R. Kelly song kind of, except he's not talking about like like abusing women or anything like that. Man. Like, you know, how like R Kelly's music is like very literal, very, you know, okay, yeah, I, I yeah. did this, I did that. That's what this, this, yeah. uh, jingle is all about, man.
1: Yeah. Dude. I, I'm, I mean, I, I assume you've seen that one and you,
0: you said, it's great.
1: I've it's, seen it uh, multiple what, times, man. Multiple okay. times. Yeah. Dude. What's the was this on like did was it made because it was on the hype of happy days? Because I mean, there's Henry, has Henry Winkler in it and he still looks like the Fonz. And I mean he was like the prolific cool guy and still low next to him, like four guys in leather jackets with the greased up
0: hair that just looks so cool. Yeah, this came out in seventy four. So yeah. uh at least in the United States like that there was this big interest in the the 1950s that was like american mm-hmm. graffiti uh grease um i don't know if the dates line up exactly but uh yeah and happy days the, i'm not sure when yeah. happy days was on the air though
1: it started and it started in 1970 i looked it up because okay. that's
0: what i was one so it
1: must have been a hype and i think if there's One, like there's a bunch of characters from American shows that like made their way into European, you know, like households, household names. But this, hey, and this is just like the look and the fonts. That was like the one of the things people even here know.
0: So it turns out American Graffiti was 1973 and that was like a a pretty huge movie. And uh, that but that one took place in California, though. That took in like okay. that took place in like Bakersfield or something like that, and mm. um so yeah, there was like uh early seventies this interest in um you know in, in the 1950s and and that whole cultural thing with greasers and so yeah, it made sense that a movie like this came out and um what's interesting about it is and I highly recommend you see this film is my dad who you know he's a, like you know Stallone's age basically so he Mm-hmm. Uh was a guy who was actively, you know, in in the 50s. You know, he was like a, a tough guy, you know. He was like grew up in the Bronx, he was in a gang, you know, he ended up going to the Navy, like that kind of thing. Oh man. Okay. And um he was actually telling me w- when we've watched this movie many times, and um I probably rented it on VHS or something. And some of this stuff like Flatbush is in Brooklyn, but some of the gangs were, were actual gangs. The names were ga- actual gangs, but, but they were from all over New York City. It wasn't like, okay. like the Baldies apparently were a, a gang in the Bronx, not in Brooklyn. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It seems like everyone was in a gang back then. Like you kind of had to be in a gang in the 50s, it seems like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like in, in wrestling nowadays, everybody has to have a stable. There's no like, singular person. Everybody has like, their own gang. So like if you get beaten up the others save you. It's it's kind of weird right now. But so, yeah, I mean this yeah, this movie looks like something I really would enjoy. You
0: know? Speaking of wrestling, oh, I don't yeah. know if you're aware, he has a movie that came out in 78 called Paradise Alley. Let me see. Yeah, I've seen, I have it on my list but I haven't seen it. Where it's uh a, he's like a pro wrestling promoter. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So that one definitely oh. move that one up on your your priority list there. All right, gotta gotta
1: add it to the list. Your, your list of action items, yeah. Oh, oh man, there's a lot of that on there. It's like, um, I mean, you're 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 knowledgeable when it comes to this. When did Stephen King start writing his stuff? Was it in the '70s already, or yeah. did he start later? Yeah, he he was, because, in, he was definitely the '70s. Because the first part of it, like the the story of the kids, also plays in the '50s. Because like. When I saw that trailer, like this, 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 uh, I think it's Bauer, like John Bauer, Stephen Bauer, like the, the, the mean guy, the bully, yeah. and, the, and the, like the original, like the Tim Curry, uh, it movie, the only it movie that matters. Um, he also had like this greased up look, you know, blue jeans, white shirt. Um, also stand by me, same time. And, uh, yeah so I thought like maybe maybe he grew up in that time and started writing about this as well,
0: yeah all these guys that we're talking about are all roughly the same age, like they're all like all right. from mids they're like mid seventies to like eighty like in that that range and uh Stephen right. King, so it makes sense that he uh would would have been fascinated by the nineteen fifties and had greaser characters and and stuff like that, yeah you know and, yeah. and And also growing up, you know, around my dad and, you know, my dad always was, my dad likes music actually. And, um, you know, the music they played was music from that era. A lot of girl girl groups, you know, like the Shirelles and stuff like that. And, uh, Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense that I, I really was, when I got into punk, that the kind of punk I liked had that, that flavor to it, you know, like the gun club and, you know. And even Danzig, think, really, if you think about Danzig and the Misfits and all that, very much uh, referencing the 50s and girls' groups and, you know, stuff like that. And and the man himself, Roy Orbison. Oh, dude, yeah, 100, my, that's huge, huge. Yeah. I remember growing up here in Roy Orbison and being like, you know, always loving his voice and... You know, I hadn't I hadn't been beaten down by life uh, at that point when I was like seven. You know, so <laughs> so I couldn't really relate to um, you know the heartache aspect of Roy Orbison, but that came much later.
1: Oh. yeah, it's like uh, I've been I've been on a huge Americana stroll in recent times. Like a lot of replacements, later stuff, Tom Petty, Ryan Adams, also like early Woven Hand and Sixteen mm-hmm. Horsepower, and um, I. I found like in a, in a second hand bin, I found the Traveling Wilburys records. Oh yeah. And it's just like, I I, I remember that I saw the video with like this all star gang. And back then I just recognized Tom Petty and, uh, and, and Roy Orbison because my dad was like one of the few cool things my dad was listening to was Roy Orbison.
0: And I got these records and they're great. Yeah, they're oh, really good. So good, man. Really funny thing about Europeans and, and Americana, <laughs> it's uh <laughs> back way back when Anodyne toured Europe. We played a show in the Netherlands, and uh, it was at some weird venue where there was all these like hardcore style bands and you know emo bands playing. And We were on that bill, and then that uh-huh. had to be over by a certain time. And then there was like uh-huh. some big local uh, rockabilly group that played they had a show after the show we did okay right so it was like these like dutch greaser guys like they had like the stand <laughs> the stand up bass and uh mm. there's a trio and they had these like heavy dutch accents so they were like okay <laughs> daddy oh you know like talking like <laughs> like they were from the 50s it was like a fucking total totally bizarre very strange um experience Dude, like, there's nothing worse than when it comes to German
1: country music, because there's there's one band here in Germany, like everybody knows. And I, I guess like for all the German listeners, and there are a bunch of them, I know, all of these people will laugh. No, but like, there's a band called Truckstop, and <laughs> and uh, and they do like this stereotypical American country, but with German language with German lyrics, and oh, wow. it's like. Yeah, dude, it's 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 horrible. It's like dad rock. You know, they they will play at an opening of a Of a, uh, of a furniture store
0: on the Sunday afternoon <laughs> a Furniture store. Hey, that's a good gig yeah. man. I wonder if it pays something like that
1: <laughs> Dude, they, they probably for one gig get more gig money than we all like made in all the shows we ever played You know, that's like you can like if you do stuff like this or you play carnival music here, because carnival is really big here. If you play like German lyric, stupid-ass pop music or like these these almost like folkish kind of things where people piss drunk in their shitty costumes, making out that strangers can yell to and, and barf at each other, that's when you make the most money. I fucking hate carnival, and Cologne is like one of the biggest cities when it comes to that. <laughs> Gotta keep that in mind, man. Future future professional endeavors, dude. Totally, or a cover rock band. Cover rocks also big. If you like play 40 chart hits for an evening for an audience of like a business associates or something, you can make hella money.
0: Fuck that, man. (laughs) That's all I gotta say (laughs) about that shit, man. You're
1: saying punk, man. (laughs) Yeah,
0: man. Punk, punk as fuck. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. Still own so, um. Yeah, so he he started in the early 70s. So, like, uh, one quote I really found fascinating uh, was, he's the only actor in history of U.S. cinema to have starred in the box office number one film across six consecutive decades. Wow. His first first listing is 1969 as, like, as as an extra. But in 1970, he started his first roles and I think Lords of Flatbush was the first one that really got him attention. So from there on, even until now, he has had number one movies in 10 years, all every 10 year. It's incredible.
0: And yeah. yeah. Real real quick about Lords of Flatbush again, not not to, you know, stay, you know, I, I don't want to like stay to the whole episode about the one movie. But <laughs> yeah, he was, I don't think he was, um, I don't remember him being like the main character in that. No, he's not. Yeah, no, he's no. like a supporting actor, but he's in the poster though.
1: Yes, right. Yeah. Right, these four four cool guys, and then that's what I said, like the fawns. I guess he was the center of attention. Um, but yeah, I mean everything. I mean, funny, like he has a movie in nineteen seventy six, Cannonball. But I, like the movie he did after that Cannonballed his career, which was Rocky. And Dude. yeah, he's like. He wrote like he's actor and screenwriter. Like he was nominated for an Oscar the year after for this movie. So this guy just came, saw, and conquered. Like he's the epitome of the American dream, I would say.
0: I would also say that Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Austrian immigrant, um, is also an epitome of the American dream. You know that he came to this country and uh, achieved such uh, heights. Of success,
1: yeah, that wouldn't have happened with Donald Trump team being in charge.
2: <laughs> but yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah.
1: But it, that's like again, what, what, like, what, what makes them even, and that's maybe why they are to this day great friends and start uh, start in many movies together. For example, the Expendables ones, which are good, and Escape Land, which isn't and um opened up planet hollywood on the height of their success with fellow fellow action superstar bruce willis yeah.
0: you know it's funny man like in the 90s it seems like action films that, that's kind of like the the golden age of action movies in my opinion it absolutely is man if you check St- stallone's list for the
1: 90s it's just like banger 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 back to back well in between they stop or my mom will shoot but then again banger banger banger
0: yeah there isn't that same level anymore. Even though a lot of action movies come out, I don't think that uh, we're at the same. We're not. We're not enjoying this renaissance that we had in the nineties. Like the, they just yeah, don't stack I, up these days.
1: No, they 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 always tried with Gerald Butler movies, but they're mostly like catastrophe movies. For once being catastrophe movies, but the other catastrophe is acting. But like there's 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 just no. There's no one to fill the space when it comes to this kind of action. I mean, they did a good job with um, with the uh, with the two Creed movies, with uh, him being like the senior and just like passing the torch. I enjoyed these two Creed movies very much, but again, it's not like an action movie. And I mean, I don't. I love action movies. I watch a lot of them, even the newer ones. There are some of them that I really enjoy but uh, like n- there's not this this thing with um with like having this major action movie star who's connected to this like acting in these kind of movies i mean there's i don't know have you seen sicario 1 and 2 no you you need to they're okay. the best action movies they're absolutely stunning they're dark. They're brutal. There's no superstar. There's almost no likable character, but it's the epitome of great contact action movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah. do I always like? I always wanted to ask you because I was just so blown away by these two movies. They're so great, but it's like a different level. This over-the-top 80s, 90s action that's not done to this degree nowadays in this vein. They trying to pass the torch. I mean, there was Die Hard Five. where he and his son, like his son is an adult now. And I thought I think they tried to pass the torch, but that already didn't work. And I mean, The Expendables is just like a superstar combo of all these action movie stars, and it's so over the top. But yeah, man, if there's someone out there listening, can we point me to the direction of a new action movie that has the same pull
0: as these old '90s movies? Holler at me! I would appreciate it. The fact that they're trying to that they're, they're doing this passing of the torch thing definitely yeah. is a sign that the old the older ones were way better. Yes, of course. The I have to names. say, as, as far as action films go, I think the best action movies are being made in like uh, Asia right now, like Korean That's action cool. films. Yeah, so good. The raid, the oh, raid, yeah. and
1: stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and the, the successful good ones are stuff like John Wick. And they're more more uh, like Asian than they admit to be.
0: Oh, without a doubt, man. The whole, even, and that's actually one of the criticisms I have of newer action movies is that um, besides from John Wick, they just don't film them right. Like the, it's all, the fight scenes are like all cut up. So they're not, they're not actually yeah. doing any fighting. And like, yeah. In John Wick movies, you, they're like these long shots of like martial arts scenes, you know, and I think yeah. that's cool.
1: I think like, I, I imagine like when we talk about 80s and 90s movie stars, I bet Steven Seagal watches John Wick and cries because that's what he always wanted to do, but it
0: never worked. Yeah, and he's kind of a hoax, really. I mean, in some ways, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know much uh, about, what's his thing, Wing Chun or whatever it is? Like, I don't know yeah, much yeah. about that, but. You know. Dude, like he, he now and then
1: appears at some like fan cons and he just looks absolutely atrocious. I mean, they're, they're, compared to this, Jean-Claude Van Damme is a real star and like he really not, like he never, I, I don't think that I ever really enjoyed one of his movies back
0: then. No. Steven Seagal? Yeah. No, no, definitely not. Akito, I think. Aikido might have been his martial art yeah. that he was doing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, think like he, the in, only. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead, sorry, man. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you first. Okay. In those Korean films, I did some uh, reading about it, and they're actually. Like, their punches are actually connecting in those movies. Yeah. That's fucking cool. Yeah. And, <laughs>
1: yeah. and that's a, the same thing again when we draw the connection to my favorite topic, wrestling. It's just like, if they. Like, if they really do full combat, full on, then it looks like, okay, this is actually hurting. And, like, the problem is with a lot of the stuff that wrestlers do is just, like, you look at it and you're like, this doesn't hurt. I wouldn't tap out to this move, to this submission. And just, like, in some moves and, like, the good ones, the good wrestlers are the ones that really connect and really have, like, moves where you think, like, oh, damn, man, that's that's harsh. Yeah. but, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say, like, I think the last franchise when it comes to action, and I guess that was a surprise hit, um, was um, the, the the Taken movies. The first oh, yeah. Taken mm-hmm. one, the right. first one with Liam Neeson was super surprising and it was awesome. But I think ever since then, Liam Neeson just does three movies a year with the same thing, just like sometimes it's on the ice road the next time it's, it's in Japan and... It's always the same premise, and he always acts the same. But I remember when the first Taken came out, I'm like, this is a legit
0: great action movie. He's getting a little, well, I shouldn't say that anymore, because Stallone is 75. But it's, uh, Liam Neeson appears to me to be getting a little, he's starting to age out of doing action films in some ways. Yeah, yes, yeah. What
1: uh, when it, when we but speaking of action, I gotta say, I mean, I mentioned the Bond movies. The five Daniel Craig Bond movies are almost perfect in my opinion, and also a franchise I really like. And I really don't want to like it because I don't like Tom Cruise. But the Mission Impossible ones, especially the last three, they are fantastic.
0: Yeah, I I like I like those as well, and and the and of course the Daniel Craig Bond is he's my yeah. favorite Bond, honestly. Yeah, me
1: too. And I know like the the new one got
0: hate from a bunch of people,
1: but I don't give a rat's ass about that. I think it was a perfect conclusion to these movies, giving his character even more death. It was more death in a Bond character than ever before. And I mean, I grew up in the 80s with Roger Moore, and I I always watched on like late night TV, watched the Connery ones. Love them today still, George Lazenby, all that stuff. But like the five, the five Dan Greg bonds are, to my in my opinion, when you watch them back to back, almost perfect.
0: Yeah, I still have to do that, watch them back to back. And now I haven't seen the latest one, so maybe uh, maybe I'll work something out where I can watch all of them one day. Yeah, the, the, I think that
1: makes sense. I mean, the, the the second and the fourth, they have their flaws and they're obvious. But from the continuity, and if you watch them back to back, it really makes sense and fun. Yeah, it's, they're great.
0: But our, our man Stallone, though, is kind of the king of the franchises, really. Dude, absolutely, yeah. You know, hey. First Blood, uh, you know, Rocky. Uh, yeah. One of the, one of the most uh, fascinating things about Stallone is the story with, of Rocky, really. The Rocky franchise. Yes. You know, he, yeah. he wrote it. He was an unknown when he, his management, when he's like, I have to star in this movie. And apparently it took him almost like 10 years to have that film, to actually have the movie filmed and produced. Uh, you know, And they're, they're still holding up.
1: Um, so then like, I think through Creed, they're doing a good job of making the younger people interested in it. And I already thought that Balboa, which came out in 2006, what, I mean that was the first attempt to revitalize this franchise, and I already liked that one. And the two Creed movies, they're just also really good. And my kids in school I always ask me like, "Have you seen them? Have you seen them?" Because I do I do like um, two months uh, lessons uh, on on film music in the tenth grade. And so we always talk about like in franchises, how much the music affects them. And for them it's always Eye of the Tiger, that's Rocky. It's like this is not Rocky, it's Rocky Three. Uh, but like the actual the actual jingle and then I play is like, oh yeah, this is always in the movie. So I'm like, yeah, see, that's that's what the title like title theme technique is, that you have like a melody that connects with the audience and spawns like this interest in watching the next part. And it's almost never been done better than in Rocky, I think. Or yeah, yeah.
0: I uh, I've only seen Rocky one through five. Okay, I I, yeah. I have to admit that I haven't watched Balboa. Do it. Okay, you won't regret it. It's, I will. it's good.
1: It's an interesting approach. And then the two Creed movies, it's they're also they're really good. They're mod. They're really what what the best you could do out of this old franchise to make it appealing to new audiences and having like Stallone in them as sort of like a a backing to make it legit. It worked better than in Die Hard 5.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I I, I didn't even, I tapped out with Die, Die Hard after like the first two.
1: Oh, the third one is amazing, dude. I love the third one. That's with Jeremy Irons in New York. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a buddy action movie because it has Samuel L. Jackson in it. But the third one was is hands down still one of my favorites in the whole action movie franchise thing. It's really good. After that, four and five total trash.
0: The first two Rockies, Rocky 1 and 2, are definitely... Uh, those are my favorites. Okay, because they, yep. they have like um, like... I'm not going to say they're realistic, but there's like a... You know it seems more based in reality and then yeah. the other three four and five are like obviously going into flights of fancy and um but yeah. are still fun though like with Clubber, Clubber and, uh, lang mr t yeah. and rocky three you know drago yeah. you know it's awesome
1: yeah i i still like in the, in the fifth one where he's like the cocky rich prick that has to like land on his face to to like go back to the ground and start over again i think that was a cool approach um, because I also think it's related to like his stardom, because like he also had to go back to the bottom at some point, like Stallone himself. But yeah, the first two again is like if you watch it nowadays, you think like oh, a guy who would behave nowadays towards a girl, he would have problems. But uh, it's a testament
0: of time, and like I still love these two.
1: But I gotta say, I was always more of a of a of a Rambo fan than Rocky.
0: Yeah, the Rambo franchise was, was like a little bit cooler. You know what I mean? I'd like yeah. it was like, you know, a little I don't know, there's something about I always like the kind of lone guy, like, you know, on his own loner storyline. You know, and I, I really? really I totally like I really
1: tot- those. I, to- I totally can't see this with you.
0: <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's totally not relatable. But the uh in the case of Rambo, I did watch Rambo 2008 and I, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was quite a movie, man. I really, really, really enjoyed that one. It's a really bloody movie, dude. It's like watching like cannibal Holocaust or something. You know what I mean? It's, it really is. It's like a high budget exploitation film, really. Dude. And then, then you should watch last blood
1: of 2019, dude. It's like, I mean, the one one scene in 2006 one, uh, in the 2008 one, where he has like the minigun on the Jeep and like blasts the guy who sits in the front seat and just like keeps on blasting him. It's almost like watching Robocop, the first part, where he's like, where Ed 209 like shoots this guy and like the arms fly away, the head flies away, the torso explodes. And it's just like so over the top. And then with Last Blood, man, it's just like, I've seen a bunch of like horrible scenes in movies and like there's just like he he interviews a guy to find out where the, the missing girl is. That's like pretty much the premises of that movie. And like when the guy doesn't talk, he just I, I don't know, like I, I think it's, it's not the cheekbone. It's like there's these two bones at, at your chest at the top, which are like kind of like going to your shoulders.
0: Oh, the clavicle you know, the ones or, or uh, he, yeah. Collar, collarbones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he just like, he, he uses his hand and just like slams into it. Like his, his, his fingers penetrate the flesh and he just breaks out the left the left of these bones of the guy. And like in the cinema, I'm like, oh my fucking God. Ah. It's just, just, it's so over the top. But apparently, yeah, really uh,
0: those bones are quite
1: hard to break. Not for Rambo. <laughs> Not for Rambo being 75 years old. Dude, but it's 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 really entertaining, it's enjoyable. Do it. Like do yourself a favor and watch these movies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's been on
0: my list actually to watch Last Blood. Yeah.
1: Now they're really also like I I can also see that you like the Creed movies. Like they're they're different and they're more like focused on I mean it's about the son of, of Apollo and um but it's an interesting story, and it's about, again, about work ethic and training and keeping focus, and that's something you always like embrace, I think. So it yeah. could be
0: something for you, too. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And and I, I always enjoy a good boxing movie, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it has great boxing scenes, good training shit, stuff, and, yeah, it's a cool movie, yeah. So should we take a deep dive into our favorites?
0: Yeah, because uh, they're – man, this dude – has a lot of great movies man and i not only do i have a top five but i also have like a runner-up uh list Yeah, yeah yeah me 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 as
1: well and i gotta say before we get into it i mean there's the obvious choices of like rambo and rocky because that put him on the map but i gotta say as i mentioned earlier on stallone as well as schwarzenegger they're the guys that. They when the blockbusters came to move like to the TV sets like two years after they were in the cinema back then it was an event like as a kid you waited like oh there will be Terminator on TV the first time so you like you just, like waited around on a Saturday with your family and watched these kind of movies and then the, some of them they got repeated especially like the 80s stuff got repeated and like the afternoon slot on on holidays for example Christmas or Easter. So, like, I grew up with a lot of these movies, and they made my list, and I bet they're not on the top list of other people. But should we start from five to the one and then go do the runner-ups? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. My number five is over the top. Nice. Yeah. The the, arm wrestling movie is good, too. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's just, like, one of these movies, and again, like, the German listeners will totally no like rtl like the tv station on, on on a saturday or sunday afternoon during easter or christmas it will be like bud spencer movies like this italian guy and over the top is pretty much regular guests in these slots and it's just like this uh you know like you're you're really rooting for the guy and to make it possible that his son like gets back in love with him like to, to like find his love for his dad back and with a mom passing, it's just like a cheer jerker and also like when he turns around, his baseball cap is so iconic. And I think he's the king of making stuff iconic.
0: That's true. I, I think I think he definitely is uh, responsible for that. Yeah. Yeah. My number five is Nighthawks from nineteen eighty one. Nineteen eighty one. Have you seen that? I haven't. No, I haven't. Dude, Nighthawks. it's uh, stars Bill, he, he co stars with Billy D. Williams. In this movie. Oh! Oh! Wow! Man, yeah. Okay. And you know, in '81, Billy D. Williams was like still a, a pretty major star off of you know Star yeah. Wars and all that. And uh, Lindsay Wagner, the Bionic Woman, was also in that. Oh, hi. And cool. it's like She's a hunting. you know gritty New York City uh, crime film. And uh, nice. Stallone acts like he's it's he's not relying on taking off his shirt. You know what I mean? He's like I think fully clothed in the entire movie. Yeah. Okay. He has a beard. He has a you know he has a beard. Kind of has like this like Serpico look about him, and his acting is really good in that movie.
1: So it's the complete opposite of 1970s Party at Kitty and Studs, where he plays Stud because there he has no clothes on and he can't (laughs) act. (laughs) Right. Number four, Demolition Man. Again, typical 90s thing. Wesley Snipes. Cool guy back then. Love him. Love the Blade movies. Love Passenger 57. Um, so over the top. The 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 muscle thing. Like with a uh, how do you like? Why do you not have toilet paper here? It's like oh we don't do this anymore. And uh, it has Dennis Leary in it. And I oh, wow. always like yeah. It's have you seen Demolition Man? I
0: haven't man. Believe it. I was gonna say that I haven't seen this one.
1: Oh oh dude you're in for a treat (laughs) oh man it's okay then you don't know you don't get the joke like oh it's so funny the story is so weird it's just like like the wesley snipes looks like dennis the menace with like dyed blonde hair and like this jeans and he's like one super villain and as a like he gets frozen like the carbon carbonite sleep and he like gets awakened back in like 2050 or something in the future and there's no crime anymore and all of a sudden he he like gets defrozen and Stallone is like the super cop and he gets frozen too so they unleash him and then they fight in the future we're not allowed to swear anymore and uh, there's no weapons anymore and it's just so again. It's over the top, but this movie is really over the top. But it's funny, and as has good good action. Yeah.
0: My number four is 1996's Copland.
1: Ah yes.
0: Yep. I would. It's say a runner up
1: for me, but it's it's awesome.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a classic, really. It's like an unsung classic in a lot of ways. And uh, once again, Stallone acting like he's like fat yes. in this movie. And uh, at least fat for him, like he's not—he's like yeah. pudgy in this in this movie, and uh, he kind of plays like this um, schlubby sheriff in a in a town in New Jersey where all these corrupt police officers live from New York City co- uh, cops. Yeah, and uh, it's got an all-star cast. It's got Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, uh, Michael Rapaport, um, Annabella Sciorra at at mm. the height of her powers in 1996. And uh, Janine Garofalo is in it too. Oh man, yeah, that's
1: that's such a good movie. I re- I remember like I wrote down the Ponderosa incident. All remember, right. remember the times when cinemas had still were like actual films they played through the projector. Yeah, and, and the sound reel and the film reel were different reels, mm-hmm. so they had like to start two reels. Yeah, I I, I went. Yeah, I went I went to Mannheim back then where we met, like at that Anodyne show back then. They had like a big cinema and I went there to see Copland and it was late on a Friday night, like the, the at the 11, 11 PM uh, screening. Pretty empty cinema, so I like this when it's empty, got the room for myself. The movie is halfway through and there's like this one scene where where Stallone walks towards the camera and his chubby look and he has a pump gun in his hand. And all of a sudden, like you can hear like the sound going. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then in the middle of the screen, do you remember the, the uh, bonanzas like start where they have the map and then the fire starts in the middle and burns to the outside? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's exactly that happens just with a white screen. So oh, man. something ca- something caught fire in the screening room. So first it burned down the sound and then the film melted. Wow. I, I just remember seeing the first time Stallone walking towards the camera. All of a sudden in the middle of the picture, there's this white dot and it got bigger and you could see like flames. <laughs> and It's just like all of a sudden you have to leave the cinema. Please get out, everybody. Fast. So like something burned. Wow, yeah. So that was a Ponderosa incident but I watched it after that two times and it's a really good movie. Yeah, And also got to say, one of my runner ups um, is, uh, wait, where is it? Where is it was 1996 daylight. One of the proto action movies with, uh, I think it's in New York too, like where people get stuck, like in the, in the traffic, in the tunnel, the tra- oh, yeah. tunnel collapses. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a regular cool action movie, but I rewatched it the other day, got the Blu-ray for five euros, and I have to say, he never looked as lean and handsome and sexy as a motherfucker as in this one. Like, he's a really, he's a smoker, man. And
0: <laughs> it's a smoke show. 90- he's a smoke yeah, show yeah. in that one, man. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: he was in 90s, that was in 96, and the next movie was Copland. So, I imagine him like being in the shape of his life doing this action movie where he climbs in these tunnels underneath New York. And it's like, okay, the screening is done. So, here's your next script. So, you have to eat now. So, for like a year, he just like slobs up and eats all the stuff to get in shape for Copland.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that always blows my mind how, how um, actors do that because it's you know, it's pretty insane. Yes number three first blood the first rambo
1: i guess that's the number one for a lot of people i'm pretty sure i know what your number one is but it's like first blood it's just so iconic and it's yeah flawless great movie spawned everything that is action nowadays yeah
0: you know actually that first blood is is my number three as well huh is that funny see yeah cool (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's not, not much we can say about this movie that hasn't been said a thousand times, but it's, uh, a- again, like making stuff iconic. The Bowie the knife and the red bandana. Whenever I see a red bandana, I see Rambo. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, that look carried over even like uh, into other films. I mean, you remember uh, Lost Boys? Yeah, of course. The Twins? Yeah. They yeah. T- totally <laughs> reference uh, First Blood.
1: Yeah, of course. Like Danny again, shout out to my best friend Danny. She she came to the game with action movies late, and she started blasting through all these cool movies. And for me, was like, oh yeah, cool. I have to rewatch that again. And she got completely hooked on the Rambo franchise. And I actually, like for her last birthday, I wanted to give her like a plastic replica of the of the knife <laughs> she
2: and like a real red knife. bandana. You should, yeah. you should actually give yeah, her the actually- actual knife. <laughs>
1: you can if you google it on amazon there is like you can buy an actual rambo knife for 200 euros which is like a replica like an actual knife that is like shaped after the rambo knife but i think like who needs that in his life i don't but yeah um my prediction and you don't have to react i just predict my number two is your number one and it's cobra aha okay yeah cobra yeah cobra sh- should be my number one but i've seen it later than all the other stuff it's stallone at his very coolest i mean slicing pizza again with a rambo knife and <laughs> no, it's even the one way one that has also has like the uh the brass knuckles like attached to it it's even cooler um the dialogues been referenced in so many hardcore records with samples and um it, it's it's the the my number one is just because I have watched this movie when I was young and I love it so much because of the premise of it. I will come to it, but
0: Cobra is my number two. My number two is Rocky, and and like I you know when we came up with these lists, I had to like I had to come correct to be honest, man, because that's the first Rocky, you know, was very yeah. influential on a lot of aspects of my life. Uh, you know, like I mean. Huh. know i was into sports i wrestled i played football you know i did martial arts like all that kind of stuff later on you know i I did a bunch of things and just like that
2: you know the whole
0: scene of him training and running and doing push-ups and eating raw eggs i never actually ate raw eggs but like was like such such so iconic to me and it really set the stage for a lot of like you know a young the young man part of my life yeah
1: it's like the is the, the uh, is it I don't know is it um, just the uh, God not Karate Kid Karate Tiger is that like the title of the American movie as well with Jean Claude Van Damme?
0: No, that's I don't believe that's no. the American version of that movie. What's that first Jean Claude Van Damme movie where it's the bad
1: guy and fights like the guy like the, the young guy who trains by himself and does these these crunches hanging from a basketball uh, basketball hoop.
0: Oh fuck, man! I'm, I, like I can't remember the name of the movie,
1: but uh, but that has also has like these crazy ass training sequence about him getting in shape to fight Jean-Claude Van Damme. and that's what I always like. All these like I I have a like an, on Spotify. I made a motivational mix, and it has like all these songs from these movies in it. So when I'm in the gym and like grinding it out sometimes, and I, like, I, I put this movie on, it's just it's so silly to like work out to Rocky music, but it's just. It works really well.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure what the uh, U.S. Uh, title of that movie is. Karate Tiger. That's, that's such a dumb name. Uh, because I remember, like, oh, man, Karate Tiger, 1986. Oh, No, no Retreat, No Surrender? Oh, uh, let me see. The title, the, uh, the plot sort of fits that. He's he's a bad guy in that movie.
1: Yeah. Karate oh, Tiger. dude, why does
0: oh, shitty. It has, it has to be no retreat, no surrender because he's a he's a yeah. villain in that movie. Yeah. Karate Tiger, the champions.
1: Yeah. No champions. No, that's Ken Shamrock. That's '97. That's that's dumb. Yeah, whatever, man. It's not 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 as important. And like, I mean, Jonko. Jean, we we couldn't fi- we couldn't fill an episode on Jean-Claude Van Damme. May- maybe on, on him being almost being the Predator <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. Have you ever seen seen the footage of him as like no. a Predator? Like, oh dude, oh god. Go to YouTube and get, like type in Jean-Claude Van Damme Predator. There's like test screenings of him in an orange suit. He looks like a cockroach. It's like <laughs> an orange cockroach running through the forest and that would have al- almost been Predator it's it's insane to see that and i mean he's like there's interviews with him from back then where it's like totally coked out it's like oh i don't i i really don't know if i want to do this movie if i should do this movie it's just like it's horrible to see that yeah but well fuck Jean Claude Van Damme stallone my number one is
0: lock up oh yeah man that's a good one
1: I love prison movies. I always loved them, prison break movies. It has Donald fucking Sutherland in it. And I mean, you just talked about it. You just talked about it in Necro, about uh, Body Snatchers. This guy, like, whenever he's the bad guy in a movie, it's awesome. I re-watched Outbreak. We talked about it a bunch a while ago, like amidst the pandemic. Donald Sutherland makes a movie classy instantaneously. With him is like John Amos, Tom Sizemore. The prison stuff. Him breaking out, him being in shape, being the good guy, helping the kids, playing with them in the beginning before he has to go to jail. Such an epic movie. I love this movie to death, and it's my favorite Stallone movie.
0: Well, you probably know what my, my favorite one is, and, and that's, you mentioned earlier, it was Cobra, yeah. which is by far, yes. my, that's, that's like my number one movie because it's, it's like so so different for him to make this type of film, really. Yeah. You know, cuz it's almost a horror film, really. Yeah. It's so brutal. <laughs> yeah. 1986 uh interesting side note directed by George Cosmatos, who is uh Panos Kosmatos's uh father. Oh, man. You know and he oh, Panos did uh Mandy and um Beyond yeah. the Black Rainbow and that kind of stuff.
1: Yes. What a family,
0: man. It's almost like the Cronenbergs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and apparently um Stallone wanted to rewrite the script and he had some concept of it being even more violent than it already is. Oh man. And uh he was like very invested in this movie and um yeah, for anyone out it it is a bit of a sleeper. Like it's not it's not like a like when people think of Sylvester Stallone, they normally don't think of Cobra. You know what I mean? I, but
1: I, I I bet a lot of people know the artwork
0: because the poster is so iconic.
1: I, I bet they know the poster but I've never watched it because they think like it looks corny
0: but it's one of the f- most like the coolest action movie posters ever. And just his character his name is Marion Cobretti in that movie, right? <laughs> and uh he's just like so like you know the, he got the sunglasses, like some like his these engineer boots, he's got these pistols with cobras on them and he drives a muscle car (laughs) everything about him is like awesome in that movie (laughs) i mean i think it's awesome (laughs) probably some of you guys out there are like oh in other words he played a douchebag i'm like yeah (laughs) he did (laughs) and i think that's awesome you know
1: yeah but he nailed it man it's just like you can't you you can only be jealous
0: of him in this case you know that that's what i'm saying you know he's uh you know he's kind of like this sullen you know, loner, like, on that, he's, like, in the zombie squad, whatever the hell that is. Like, there's these, like, yeah. you know, outsider cops or whatever. And the funny part about it is, like, he gets criticized for using excessive force, and which is really, like, such a thing in the 80s where, you know, the cops were, like, it was cool when cops, like, beat people up and stuff, you know? And yeah. he's like, oh, you know, was it necessary to do that? He's like, I, I, I came out of him with all I got. You know, like, he's like, yeah, of course, I use excessive force. Like, that's how I do things. (laughs) (laughs) And,
1: and dude, like, look at this canon of, like, between 1985 and 1989. Let me just read the list of the movies you did there. 85, Rambo Part 2, Rocky Part 4. 86, Cobra. 87, Over the Top. 88, Rambo 3. 89, Lock Up, Tango and Cash. 90, 90, Rocky 5. That's, like... That's his back to back movie catalog in five years
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. That rules like that and that's one of the things I really respect the most about him, where he's like, all right, I'm an actor, I'm gonna fucking work, man, I'm gonna do this, you know that that yeah. I'm always always like respect that,
1: yeah, and it's almost like the bands that we often talk about, like like nowadays, the cool bands they take five years, forty years for a new record back then, like like this whole the post punk bands like they blew out one record after the next year after year the 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 cure's trilogy of of like faith um pornography and uh um damn i'm a stupid uh 17 seconds they were like in 3 years these three records came out and like slayer the same thing like, like they it's unbelievable that bands were so prolific and worked so hard and recorded all these records in such short time, and when it, I, and I bet you, when we if we would do the same thing with with Schwarzenegger, back in this time, he would have we would have an equally amazing list with him.
0: Yeah, totally, man. And and I you know I just think that's great when there's always output from from people doing creative stuff. You know. Yeah. I remember re, uh, listening to an interview with Eli Roth one time. Who I have to say that I'm not the biggest fan of his films, but I like him as like whenever he's on a um you know like a, a show or something or he's being interviewed about horror or mm. you know, I, I think he's cool, you know. He was talking about, you know, people criticizing him as producing genre films, you know, and it's like, mm. oh well, you know, it's like he, he brought up a really good point. He's like, well, what are the movies that people remember? You know, they're they remember like, you know, some of the films that we talked about with Sylvester Stallone, you know, they remember Halloween. They remember, uh, the fog, you know, they remember Friday the 13th. <laughs> they do not remember your shitty art house film. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. you're absolutely right, man. No one gives a fuck about your fucking abstract bullshit that you do. People remember these genre films, you know, it's kind of how it yeah. is. Yeah. Not to say Did that I don't like appreciate r- a good art film, but you know, it's I don't I don't get yeah. like uh, pretentious about it. No, didn't didn't he do Hostel?
1: Isn't that an Eli Roth movie?
0: Yeah, I, I, I never really was into those movies, honestly.
1: Oh, no, that was like one of the like of the worst parts. I think the, the first they came the revive like the, the remake thing of the Japanese movies with the ring and the grudge yeah. and I enjoyed them back then when they came out, especially like the original ones, not the American remakes. But they had something going on. But then after the the twelfth girl with black hair coming out, like from TV screens or toilet bowls, I don't give a fuck. It's like it was done. But then the 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 whole um, torture thing happened. I mean, the first Saw was okay, but everything after that was horrible. And Hostel was just fucking bad.
0: I never liked that. Yeah, I'm not a big torture fan, honestly. It's like. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I like women, you know, and and I don't, I don't get off on women being tied up and yeah. just brutalized, you know, and abused. That's really not. I don't. I never understood that as being like horror, you know, or it just yeah. seemed like very. And I'm not just saying this because we live in like this weird, you know, world where you can't say things. I even back in the early 2000s, I was like, this is like not my thing. I don't like seen women get beat up or hurt or anything like that, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's weird, weird that people
1: really, really enjoy stuff like this. But yeah, back then they got a kick out of it. And when I talk to kids in school now that are like like, you know, like we were when we were kids, it's like pushing boundaries. And now they can just accept uh, access the Internet and watch everything they want within uh, like three clicks. And like one of the, like a, like a big ass, like he, he's 15, but he's like a tall guy in ninth grade and he's doing workout a lot of times because he's like in a fighting school of his dad oh, and he's, okay. uh, he's, he's like the tough guy in the school. And he came up to me, he's like, oh yeah, I really enjoy horror movies too. I'm like, okay, so what have you seen? And I thought like he goes, yeah, I you know, saw it or something. And I'm like, well, okay, so what have you seen? Oh yeah, I love Hostel. I'm like, really? Okay. Ugh. This is the stuff you like, man. And you're in a fighting school. I don't like this combination, you know.
0: But let me dude, ask yeah, you well, a quick question about MMA and martial arts and stuff like that. In in Europe, in Germany, that's kind of like this, like right wing kind of thing, isn't it? Oh no, 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 no. Okay. No, you have. I mean,
1: the you have like what whatever could be attached to right wing. The right wing assholes will find, especially when it comes to like discipline and like you know like also straight edge i mean we talked about this and on the side note in one episode that there's a russian straight edge movement of fascists because they promote clean blood you know and they just like take these ideas in the wrong way and make them their own and of course like if you um there's this uh, do you know pest noir yeah i I, I assume you do yeah it's like they they change from this proto-nazi black metal band to almost like a like a tough guy, hardcore band on the, like one, of the, i I just saw someone sent me a video of them and it's like, it looks like a hip hop gang video where they're all like, are, like jacked up where wife, white wife beaters and like people doing like high kicks and shit. And they're also like also promoting like the MMA fighting. i like, this is not what MMA is about, but like they just take it for their discipline and we have to find this, we have to fight our enemies and blah. There's MMA here and like not it's not as big as it's probably in the states. Um, you can do training. It's more like Muay Thai and stuff like this. Yeah, it's Muay Thai is Europe. huge
0: in Europe. I know that kickboxing is like you know the Dutch yeah. or, or that's like their thing. Yeah. Really, you know.
1: Yeah, there's this, um, there's again one uh, like one wrestler that you would also enjoy. He's he's from the Netherlands and he just like skipped over from WWE to AEW. He's called Malachi Black. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah. I mean, he he's first like in in WWE who was Alistair Black, and he had to like drop the name, so he's Malachi Black now. And he's like one of the guys we also would hang out with. He comes from the hardcore scene. He's friends with Dwight. and his entrance music in AW is Amon Ra. Oh, nice. Cool. And yeah, yeah. And he has like he's got a huge knowledge of um of like the horror and occult. He's got his own like occult merch company and. I listened to a bunch of podcast episodes with him, and it's like if you're interested, I can send them to yeah, you. Yeah, please. I think I'm you will, Yeah, you will appreciate him too. And he's he's talking about like because like pro wrestling is not popular in Europe, on TV, yes, but there's like not real small leaks. And he uh, he like he tells the story that he like grew up watching WCW. But since there was no wrestling he could do, he got into martial arts, and he trained Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, and he went to France and to, to Spain and to like train all these different fighting skills. And he's not like your classic wrestler who's doing like flips and like all these crazy-ass moves. He's doing like more like mixed martial arts things. And this combined with his look and his character, and he's fascinating. I will send you a bunch of stuff over because he's also doing his own vignettes You know, like with him being possessed by a demon in a way. It's like he's a, he would, you would totally love him. He's pretty much the only one after Bray Wyatt who could do like what the Undertaker did in the eighties, like have this dark image and being serious about it and not being completely corny. And it's like, I just came to it because he also talked about like doing Muay Thai and being big in Europe and especially in in the Netherlands because he's from there.
0: Yeah, that's uh, like, cause in the states, like, more especially in Muay Thai is like, I mean, usually I'm like being a, like a white guy, is like the, mm. the minority in like a lot of these places I train at. Like most of the people are. It's like a very culturally mixed thing to do Muay Thai, and mm. and even like the MMA schools are like very culturally mixed. It's not like. It's all these like, you know, like right wing, like guys, like white dudes or whatever. And I was just curious because I think I always thought Europe had that, like that kind of like vibe. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are these, these dojos where these assholes train.
1: But um, yeah, it, as I said, like if if you're a Nazi, you don't have anything of your own. You will just steal what others have and make it your own because that's kind of how these assholes roll. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, awesome, man. This was a a fun episode for sure. It definitely was, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
2: Even to